Well, good evening, family. So while you're getting seated, we're going to start tonight by just jumping right into Scripture. Um, the first time I'm going to read this passage, uh, I'm just going to read it. And all I would love for you to do is simply absorb this in. For many of you, if you've been around the church very much, this is a familiar passage for you. But I want you to try to hear it for the first time in some way. This comes from Matthew 28. Now the 11 disciples, they went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And they saw him and they worshiped him, but some still doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, when Jesus called his followers to himself before ascending to the throne, how could they not be thinking, what are we doing here? Think about it. Let's put ourselves in the position of the disciples. Uh, at, the very fr- at the off, when Jesus called each of them individually to come and follow after him, they were, he was a rabbi and they were students. And so they were students and he was their teacher. And then he started performing miracles. And then that question, what are we doing here? Started to change a little bit. Okay, so maybe he... He's actually the Messiah, the anointed one, the sent one, the one who has been prophesied to come for all this time, who's going to, in our understanding, overthrow our oppressors and overthrow the Roman government. And so then, what are we doing here? Well, we're here to be soldiers. Except the cross happened. And then it's like, wow, we have to unthink what we've been doing here the entire time. We we bet on the wrong horse. Uh, If we're anything, we are losers. We have lost big time. And then the resurrection happens. And then you're left thinking, okay, I give up trying to figure out what we're doing here. Like you tell us, Jesus, when you want to let us know. And so that's the passage that we're stepping into. When all of a sudden they're like, oh, that's what we've been doing for three and a half years. Good news, right? Let's back up just a bit though. When it comes to this thing known as the church, Everyone has their own thought about what we're doing here. Just as the disciples had their own thoughts about what we're doing here, we can come into the church and have our own thoughts about what we do in here. It can be tinted by our experiences or non-experiences, good or bad perceptions. Uh, you You might think that it's a place to come and be spiritually fed, or you might believe that it's a place to come into so that you can be judged because that sounds like a blast. You can think that you come to the church and it's a people that deeply care for you. Or you can think it is a people who are looking to actively inflict damage to you. So knowing why we're here, it matters. And oftentimes it's unclear, both because of the sinfulness of humanity that even those of us who follow after Jesus for decades still have the lingering effects of sin in our bodies and, and we say unkind things and we don't have the conversations that we should have and, 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 and we just do a bunch of things just wrong and it can mess up the interpretation of 
those in the room and those outside of the walls in their understanding of what the church is here for. But when we look into the pages of scripture, we discover God's plan for his people. That there would be a covenant people who he had planned from the very beginning with a level of intentionality that was unlike anything that had been seen before. This desire that they would go and be his. And they would go and be his counterculturally. Not just to uh, the Roman or Jewish context and their cultures 2,000 years ago, but to the cultures that we experience in our everyday lives, in the political arena, on both sides of the spectrum. Because the challenge is that the problem with any culture is it's created by humans. And so while the church is meant to not be, have a culture that's created by human, humanity, it's supposed to be created by Jesus. The problem is that that whole human thing enters in every time you or I enter in. And so that can lead to a lot of confusion about this thing called the church. Why it matters. Why what we do here is worth doing. See, God knows exactly what it's here for, where it's supposed to go, and how he desires for it to exist in the midst of a broken and fallen world. Which brings us to the series, We. Uh, We are continuing the series that we started way back in September. And this series uh, is focused on this idea of who are we? Who are we when we gather What are we supposed to do? What have we been called into? And so throughout these three weeks, we're going to be focusing on mission, vision, and values of this particular local church known as Mosaic. And if you're wondering, are you going to use a bunch of Disney, not Disney, Marvel references tonight, you would be absolutely correct. I have a lot of them, I promise. I know that's what you're hoping for, so... At least I was. Okay, it makes sense, all right? So give me a chance. If this is your first time here, though, uh, I know we had some friends walk in since uh, the beginning of the gathering. Uh, You might be thinking already, wow, I came in a super awkward week. Uh, I can actually say that I can't imagine a more perfectly timed week for you to come and to be a part of what we do here on a Sunday night than tonight. Because whether you ever call Mosaic Church your home or not, uh, what this will give you is a window into how we are believe that God has called us to operate and live. What we believe God has called us to do. Who he has called us to be. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast or if you're watching this online, uh, I would invite you to take uh, the five-minute pauses that we're going to be taking around the round tables in the room to simply reflect on the prompts that are going to go because our hope is that with each of the questions that we'll be asking at our tables through the message tonight, that you're going to have an opportunity to reflect and to learn from one another. Because ultimately, our hope as a community, is never that it's just what happens here. Although musical worship is beautiful and essential and vital, and so is biblical teaching, it is essential and vital. Those things are absolutely crucial, but it's definitely more than just that. And so as we do our gatherings for these three weeks, just a little bit different than normal, our hope is that that would simply be a reflection of that. This idea that we need, not just from what comes up here, we need what we can give to one another. And so, so if you don't, let's pause. Let's pray. Father, 
I want to be sensitive to what you have for us in this space. So I just pray for your guidance and leadership through this passage, this message, through our times at our tables. So we surrender all this to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. So you can imagine that in the days after Jesus' resurrection, his followers must have been asking themselves those questions, right? What are we doing here? They had spent the last three years learning from their rabbi just for the rabbi to be carted off, executed, and now he is alive from the grave. You could imagine with that type of emotional roller coaster that they had a lot of confusion. I would. But this definitely wasn't what they were expecting, especially when they accepted that unpaid internship years before, right? I mean, think back. Let's put ourselves in their position. How grateful you must have been. And yet the question remains, what are we here for? Is he sticking around? Is he going to send us out again? What is he going to send us out to do this time? See, these are the questions of this thing called mission. Now, once we find out what we are here for, what, what, why we exist, we would probably want to know where are we going? What's our aim? What, what's our purpose? What are we doing? And that leads us to vision. And that leads us to a final set of questions. Well, in light of that, who are we? What are we? How are we actually going to accomplish this vision? How do we know that we're on the right track? And those are values. And so if you notice, those words are listed behind me. Isn't that wild? I know. I know. I know it's cool, right? Okay. So as his disciples, these are the things that we would want to know. Why? Because things have been very unclear for us for a while now. And so we're looking for just a little bit of clarity, right? And so when Jesus begins to speak in Galilee, we would have been there. And then we would have worshiped him. And yet, I love how honest uh, Matthew's being. And yet, some of us would have still had our doubts. And so Jesus came and said to us, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's mine. What I have done on the cross, what Jesus is saying, has granted me the authority over all things. And so he says, therefore, in light of that reality, because I have this authority, I am now sending you. So therefore, go make disciples. Go make fellow apprentices of Jesus, of all people groups, and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And what I want you to do is I want you to teach them, to equip them, to observe all that I have commanded you. And know this, I know it's scary, but behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Finally, clarity, right? Finally, we know what we're here for. We know why we exist. We know why Jesus called each of us to follow after him, to go make disciples of all the nations, of all the various people groups, to go proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. It's arriving and to teach them what Jesus commanded. And then at this point, we're starting to like really think about that. Okay, wait, what? he said a lot of things. What exactly did he command us? Well, we might begin to make the connection that, that Jesus once said that true obedience to God's desires, his law is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. 
and he's not going to leave us. That's really good. And right about then, uh, we're thinking it over. We're analyzing. We're processing. If you're me, you're overanalyzing. You're overprocessing. And then, okay, but he's not leaving us. That's good news. That's good news. And then he ascends. And you're like, wait a minute. How? What? Okay. So for the global historic church, this mission was never viewed as this one-time mission that existed for 12 ragamuffins all the way back when. Like this was their thing and the rest of us kind of just bask in the limelight and just go hang out on this like this cruise ship known as the church where we just kind of hang out and have social time with friends. No, this has historically been understood as a mission, not just for those who were near at that moment, but for all those who would follow the way of Jesus from then to nearly 2,000 years ago, all the way until whenever Jesus returns in full form. Now, when we talk about mission, when we put words like why we exist mission up on a screen, we have to ask the question, why bother with clarifying the mission? I mean, it wouldn't be cool if we're just like kind of like organic and we just like kind of just do our thing and, and, and we don't have to like, why, why put language to it? Why make slides? But again, the question for mission is why do we exist? See, it's vitally important that any group of people understand why they're coming together, which brings me to two, Marvel. I've been reading a book over the last couple of weeks uh, that my buddy told me about, about the uh, backstory of Marvel Studios and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I was amazed by the level of intentionality and care that went into the formation of all the different things that made Marvel Studios, Marvel Studios. Now, if you've watched the movies, uh, it, like any stretch of the movies at any point, you're probably aware that like they seem super intentional in their storytelling and absolutely. And when you hear the backstory, it's just like, whoa, this is wild. And what, as, as I was reading this, this stuff just started like, like bouncing off the page for me, mission, vision, and values. And so, what I was discovering, what I've been discovering in this book is that Marvel had a very clear picture of their mission. Their goal with Marvel Studios was not just to create random movies at different points in time. Instead, they had a, a very solidified mission to use the unwanted characters of Marvel comics to, to, to tell compelling stories like they are in the comics. Now, I say unwanted characters because... For years, Marvel Studio, Marvel Entertainment had been dishing out the movie rights to any of the properties that anyone was willing to buy off them for whatever price, really, that they were willing to offer. And so they sold off Fox and Fantastic Four rights to, uh, I'm sorry, X-Men and Fantastic Four rights to Fox, uh, to Universal. They sold, they sold uh, the Hulk rights to um, Sony, uh, the Spider-Man uh, rights and all the connected universe there. And so... Those were the popular ones. If they were still in the pile left over, that's because nobody wanted to buy them. Think about that. Nobody wanted Iron Man or Captain America or Thor or Black Panther or Black Widow or any of the wonderful characters that you experience in the cinematic universe. But yet what they wanted to do with it is they wanted to tell compelling stories with these characters. So they understood that mission is vital. And so they had a singular focus. Now, if we as a biblical community do not understand what we are here for, if we don't understand how vital it is that we understand the mission of the church, then what we will do is we will take up secondary or tertiary beliefs about why we come here. 
We can believe that we show up on Sundays to have our spiritual needs met or to make sure that we have social interaction with other people or because it's a nice religious checklist item that you should probably mark off every once in a while. That last one completely dismissed that one. But the other two, those aren't bad things, right? Those are good things, but they're not the point of why we come. We come because the mission is so much greater than this. At least that's what we're called to gather. As a church, our, our mission statement is meant to reflect not those secondary desires that are good desires, but they're not the main thing. And so the way we've articulated our mission is simply this, that we demonstrate our passion for God and his passion for people as we love God, love people, and serve the world. If you've been around the Mosaic, these are famil- this is familiar language. It's literally in the lobby. And love God, love people, serve the world's over there. Like this is stuff that we say, but it's what we say because the, the hope is that this would seep into our souls, that we would understand what we do together, that we come together to demonstrate our passion for God and his passion for people so that we can love God, love people, and serve the world. And so this brings us to our first question for our tables. I was wondering, who has been a person in your life, past or present, who has embodied that mission? Who has lived out that mission? Now, maybe you're not even a follower of Jesus. That's totally okay. Has there ever been a person in your life, a Christian, who just seemed to really exude that mission? Like, it was so clear that they had a deep love for God and deep love for people. So let's go ahead and spend five minutes uh, and discuss that at our tables. All right. All right. If I could get your attention back up here. Wonderful. So let's go back to Marvel, okay? They understood why they existed, but what was their aim? So their aim, their vision was to create an interconnected universe. Something that was familiar in the comics but something that had never been done on this level on film. So because they didn't have all of the A-list Marvel characters, they wanted to do something completely different. And that was their vision. And so in the first Iron Man movie, in the post-credit scene, when Nick Fury is, is chilling in, uh, in uh, Tony Stark's house, and he tells Tony that he is a part of a much bigger universe. I remember being in the theaters in 2008 and going, I'm a part of a much bigger universe now. Like, I, it was like so real for me. And I was 17. Uh, and I was just so excited. And a lot of people apparently have been excited uh, for at least a while, last few, not so much, but, not, uh, but that vision that was laid out in the very first of what is currently 33 Marvel Studio Productions has laid out this compelling vision of what has now captured the cultural imagination over time. And so as a local church, when we think of our aim, our vision, our answer to where are we going 
On the one hand, we have the benefit of not being this brand new thing that is trying to figure out what our aim is. Instead, what we have had the opportunity to do is over the course of the last 20 years of Mosaic Church as a whole and last 12 years for the Disney campus, we've been able to ask the question, God, what are you up to in our midst? And we've had the opportunity to see God tell a compelling story in our community and through our community with each passing year. And so when our elders over the course of the last year uh, had been thinking and praying and considering, God, what is the vision that you have for this particular community? It wasn't so much, God, like what new things? It's God, what have you already been doing that you would want us to just press into even deeper? And so last month, I kind of taught on this vision as part of the We series. So you can go back in the podcast if you want to listen to the whole thing. Um, but tonight, I'm just going to give the touch base with the paragraphs uh, so that we're kind of all on the same page about what we're talking about when we're talking about our vision. And see, we see our vision played out with four words. This is like the aim that we are seeking to pursue. We desire to equip, to share, to multiply, and to care. And here's what we mean with each of those. When we might equip is we want to be a church family that is equipped for the work of ministry through the regular rhythms and practices of being immersed in God's word, together with God's people, and through the power and leading of God's spirit. When we talk about sharing, what we mean by that is we want to be a church family that is reaching Orlando with the gospel through bold and intentional evangelism and disciple-making. When we talk about multiplying, we, we're talking about a church family that is multiplying gospel outposts throughout Central Florida through training leaders, launching campuses, and planting new churches. We want to see the gospel advance. And our participation is just to whatever level God allows us the space to be a part of. And when we, what we mean by care is that we desire to be a church family that is changing the world through the movement of our resources, time, treasure, and talent to serve one another and to meet the needs of vulnerable people locally and globally through adoption, foster care, poverty alleviation, and ending human trafficking. Now, as I am reading each of those paragraphs, there's a lot of cool words in there, uh, but it also can sound like, like organizational, like, of course, a church would write stuff like that. But again, the hope isn't that we would just have cool words that live on a web page. It's God, what are you already doing in our community? What are you doing in us that you want to multiply through us? And so we are, as elders, are taking this super seriously that we are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So that mission is not meant to be lived out by those of us who happen to be on a stage sometimes. The mission, the ministry is what all of us do every day as we get sent out all across the area to make disciples of Jesus, to introduce people to his incredible love. And so this is focused out of how do we do this whole love God, love people, and serve the world thing? Well, we equip, we share, we multiply, and we care. And so this brings me to the second question that I'd love for you to discuss at your tables. So with this quick bit of explanation, uh, I want you to go back. Can we get that slide up with the four words again? So we have equip, share, multiply, and care. 
When you think of those words, as I was reading the paragraphs, maybe there was one that stuck out to you as something that, like, that word really excites you. Like, man, I, I would really love for God to uh, grow me in that area or grow this community in that area. And maybe there's one that kind of just makes you a little bit nervous. And you're like, can I even talk about that? And like, yes, you can absolutely talk about what makes you nervous. Um, so would you, in your table, answer this question between equip, share, multiply, or care, which one of these words do you personally get most excited about and what makes you a little bit nervous? Go ahead and talk about that around your tables. All right. I think I just heard an aw. I love that. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's keep going. We have one more question. So one more opportunity for you guys to talk um, during the message. But from uh, the beginning of the MCU, uh, there was this thing that is the Marvel formula. Um, it's what people kind of have come to expect. Uh, and this kind of outlines the... Uh, the values by which Marvel sought to execute on their vision. And so three of, three of the values that when I was reading the book, I was like, like, was like oh, absolutely, that makes sense, is they, had a high focus, they have a high focus on collaboration, continuity, and always moving the larger narrative forward. So if you're a director who signs up to be a part of uh, the, next, uh, the next Marvel movie, you need to expect that there's going to be a high level of collaboration between writers, directors, and uh, Kevin Feige. And so there's going to be this idea that like, it's not going to be just you doing it all by yourself. And this allows for the movie to be somewhat unique at their best, but also be able to fit into the larger timeline that they are advancing. Now, I also learned the incredible lengths that they go to establish continuity. So like the, the togetherness, the interconnectedness of all the stories where they seem like, oh yeah, they're all moving in the generally the same direction. Uh, and so they put a, a ton of capital in, even into the, their visual effects department. Instead of shopping that out to other, or, uh, to other companies, they do the large part of their visual effects in-house as far as the overseeing of all of the projects to ensure similar feel and texture for each of the movies. So this is why when you watch any of the MCU movies, overall, it's like, oh, this kind of feels like a Marvel movie. But you could go watch uh, Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider from the early 2000s, and you're like, wow, this does not feel like it's the same. I don't necessarily watching that one either, but uh, it feels very different. Now, each movie even the ones set in the past also all move the storyline forward. So like think of the very first Captain America movie. And uh, at the very end, you see that he uh, is thought out. And now he's going to be a part of this new Avengers movie that's going to be coming. Everything is about advancing the story forward in an interconnected way, in a way that truly makes sense. And so those are kind of some of the values of Marvel Studios. But here's, here's why I'm mentioning all this, not just because I'm a nerd, but because imagine Marvel without any of those things. If you watched even just a few of the movies, imagine them if they didn't have all of that focus on working together, interconnectivity, and it feeling like it's all moving in the same direction. 
they might be able to make good superhero movies, but you never would have had like these big blockbusters like Avengers Endgame, right? Because it would have been too disconnected. The characters way too far apart. So these values were not just something that Marvel Studios implemented. It was in effect a, a, a very real way to experience who they are or who they were. See, values, when I think of values, naturally I can think about like what we do. But values are not just about what we do. They speak to something at the level of identity at our core. And they're born out of the question, who are we? See, values are guiding principles. And as we live in values, they come more embedded into our hearts and minds and actions. And so when the, uh, when the disciples would have heard Jesus saying, teaching them to obey all, of, all that I have commanded you, they are automatically coming back to a mindset of all the incredible lessons and in not just the things that Jesus taught, but the way that he lived. And so when time came, they knew what to do. But I want to, before we go further, I want to take time for our last question around our tables for the night. Because oftentimes, values can be unique to each one of us. So to help drive home the point of exactly what, why values matter, I want you to just around your table, just ask the question, what's a personal value that you have in your own life? It could be something quirky or funny. It could be something real or difficult. It can be whatever you got. But what's a personal value that you have in your life? Uh, let's go ahead and just talk about that around our tables. All right. If I can get your attention back up here. So let's put ourselves back into, into the, the, the posture of Jesus' disciples. Jesus just leaves, and you're trying to figure out, okay, this mission is epic. At least we have clarity now, but we have no clue how we're going to do this. And so what do we do? Who are we? And so we begin to live out the values of Jesus. He says to wait, and so we wait. And so we commit ourselves to prayer and to fasting together until God makes the next move. Stated values can feel uh, robotic or something like that sometimes. But the reason why I want you to talk about personal values or even understand how like Marvel's values, whether stated or unstated, matter is because for each and every one of us, we all roll our lives based on what we value. Our values inform the decisions we make and the things we do. Things that are important, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, all these things matter. And so as a local church, we could uncover uh, where our goal is to look at not just doing the right thing, but doing it in Jesus's way, following in his paradigm, having the values that Jesus had and living them out because you could pursue the mission or the vision, but if you're not doing it in Jesus's way, then you're not actually going after the vision, or the mission. And so next, over the next two weeks, we're going to go deep into each of these. So tonight, I'm just going to uh, basically just highlight the names of uh, the, the titles for each of these values. Um, so let me go ahead and introduce them to you briefly. So we have six values. We follow Jesus. We are one. We are gospel-centered. 
We are extravagantly hospitable. We are fearlessly generous. And we are daringly missional. Now, some of these might sound obvious what they're might be implying, and some might feel like you're like, uh, say more. I, I need a little bit more explanation on it, and we're going to get there. But you see, these values, these are meant to guide us, but not in some legalistic way, but, uh, and it's not about what you should do. What it's supposed to do is give language to a heart posture rooted in our union with Christ. The reality that we have been adopted sons and daughters into the family of God. They're not just checklists for decision-making paradigms. These are the values of Jesus reflected in the hearts and minds of those who would follow after him from the beginning of the disciples all the way through us today. Have Christians always lived in these values and in values that are biblical? No, not always. Do you or I? No, not always, right? Like it, th- these are in some ways aspirational, but in, in the most truest sense is they are simply the work of the Spirit in us and through us to be able to do any of these things. See, the disciples kept thinking that Jesus was going to be like every other rabbi who simply told his apprentices what they should do, how they should act. But he was way more interested in informing them of who they truly were. He wants to inform us at our heart level. Because again, you can go after the mission without the values of Jesus. You can go after, go make disciples of all nations, and you end up with some craziness like the Spanish Inquisition, right? We can go and proclaim a kingdom of righteousness by making an enemy of anyone who thinks, acts, or believes differently than us. You can do that, but it's just not the way of Jesus. It's not reflective of identity found in Christ. See, when we know who we truly are, we will know how to live in the world around us. It's not about faking it. It's not about putting on the masquerade. It's about being truly transformed from the inside out. And this is the work that a church can't do. Having lists like this cannot do. This is a work that only God can do in us. And those first disciples, they had no idea how incredible of a story that they were about to participate in. All that investment by Jesus for three and a half years is finally moving towards payoff as the Spirit of God takes them into a space of absolute confidence that He has begun a work and He will finish it. And so the Spirit of God would lead the church all throughout the, all throughout the book of Acts into a mission and vision with the values of the kingdom in mind and would bring them to life within their hearts and their minds over and over and over again. Not that it was perfect or not because it was easy, but because God does not give up on us. In fact, what did Jesus say? Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. I want to invite the band to come on up. See, you and I, we have no idea how incredible of a story we are invited to participate in. We might walk in through these doors for any number of reasons, but if we don't understand that what we are coming in to experience is an encouragement to go and live out the mission that we've been called to, we can so easily come in and stay for any length of time until we don't get whatever we are angling for and we leave. But see, God is doing something in this community. He is doing something in this church. And not because Mosaic is unique or different, but because we're his church. 
And if we're his, then he is doing the work. We are simply participants and we get to go, oh, that's what you're doing next. Okay, all right, where are we going now? That's the work of the spirit in and through this community. This is what you're invited into, whether you call Mosaic Church your home church or a different one back home or wherever else you may go. To understand that you have been saved, that we have been saved out of darkness into a marvelous light. We've been called sons and daughters. And as sons and daughters, we are called to carry the story forward. You and I have no idea how incredible the story is. But together, we're going to find out. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight, this opportunity to, uh, to be with one another, to gather, to be reminded of uh, why we exist, who we are, what you're doing. I pray that the, the mission and vision that you have for your church would be reflected in this particular biblical community. Not that we're perfect, but because we're yours. And if we're yours, then you have already promised that you are working in us towards perfection. So that in eternity, we would be experiencing the fullness of life, light, and freedom. And for now, this gathering of this gospel outpost is merely a foretaste of the flavors and beauties of what is to come. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.